Yes, welcome back to my podcast, Hints and Guesses. This is Kent Dobson. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting me. Thanks for sharing this podcast. Thanks for writing a review in iTunes. All of this matters. And it's a great joy to be making things in the world and to be a part of the great conversation around meaning and depth and nature and God and the mysteries and science and um, the psyche. A few of my favorite things. And today is, um, well, it's an exciting day for me. I am releasing, today is what, uh, Monday, August 17th, 2020, the year of our Lord, the year of the coronavirus. And I'm releasing a long format podcast, experimental podcast audiobook, (laughs) which I'm calling A Grain of Wheat, The Christ Symbol. So you already have some idea of what it's about. I want to talk about the Christ symbol, particularly this image of, of a grain of wheat, which comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And um, I mean, maybe just a word. Well, first of all, what is it? It's six and a half hours of content and questions around the life of Jesus. What I see are seven stages of a life transformed. So I want to talk about all seven. And I want to talk about all seven stages um, and the the symbol at the heart of the stage. The seven stages are birth, calling, uh, transcendence, wilderness, mission, authority, and the final one, the seventh one, is the life-death-life cycle, or a grain of wheat. So this is something um, that I have been wrestling with and thinking about and writing about. This first started off as a book until it sort of uh, suggested to me, almost like the idea suggested to me, this should be an audiobook. And uh, yeah, so I've been working on it for, for a while. And more than that, I promised it to my Patreon supporters. So a couple years ago, a friend of mine who's a podcaster and author, he kept saying to me, join Patreon. Just do it. I mean, there are so many gracious people out there in the world that want to support art and writing and meaning and, um, and you've got great stuff and just get it out there. And I was resistant for a while and whatever, I got over it and I said, all right. And I signed up for Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a, it's a website that helps support independent artists. And you can uh, join and as a kind of monthly commitment anywhere from $1 all the way up. And anything, any contribution you make goes directly into helping make this thing happen, helping make Hints and Guesses happen. My podcast and... Um, and it worked. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And I'm so I'm really, really grateful to my Patreon supporters. And when I first started, I, I came up with this, what I thought was an absurd goal. I said, if I get 50 patrons, then I'll write and record and release my first audiobook, independent of the publishing world. And it will have something to do with the life of Jesus and the, um, and the pattern of transformation which I see hidden in the Christ symbol. And sure enough, I got 50 patrons and I want to be a person of my word. And I buckled down the last month 
and made this audiobook. And if you're, it's free to my patrons, but if you want to buy it, which I really hope you do, go to my website, kentdobson.com, right on the main page, right on the home page, there's a link. Um, it will take you to the site and you can buy it for 10 bucks. So six and a half hours of content for 10 bucks. And I really hope there are some hints and guesses and questions and clues and images and symbols in there that can help you in your own uh, wild unfolding. Whether you're religious or not, whether you're a believer or not a believer, or you're into Jesus or you're not into Jesus, I still think um, there might be a few gems in here. Because that's the way symbols work. Symbols point beyond themselves. See, the Christ symbol, the grain of wheat, is beneath Christianity. It's behind, it, it, it's, it's behind the thing that grew up in its, uh, in its wake. And symbols have power. Symbols have power because they speak to us on the level of the soul. They, they rise up from within. And it's like a tuning fork gets struck somewhere in your chest, somewhere in your being, and... The symbol itself calls, calls you deeper and deeper into uh, the meaning of your own life. It's like it mirrors back to us the possibility of our own transformation, especially with the Christ symbol. Jesus is saying, just as uh, a grain of wheat must die and go into the ground in order to reap a harvest in order to uh, in order to bear fruit. So it is with our own uh, psycho spiritual transformation. We too must die and be reborn. And Jesus is saying something like, "I will show you what it looks like, and I will mirror back to you your the possibility of your own radical transformation." And why am I making this podcast now? Because I think there's something about the age that is crying out for a transformation, is crying out for um, a transformation of consciousness. No problem can be solved by the same consciousness that created it. That's Einstein. Well, then how do you solve a problem? (laughs) You do so by submitting to and undergoing a transformation of your own consciousness. And symbols, historically, have appointed the way toward a life transformed. They're evocative. They're challenging. And I think there's still something to the Christ symbol, whether you're religious or not, whether you're a believer or not. The Christ symbol, the grain of wheat, is deeper and older than Christianity itself. It's as old as the earth. It's the wisdom of the earth, this life-death life cycle that we are being invited into. And maybe at no other point in human history have we needed a transformation of consciousness more than right now as we face the many crises that are happening, racial and economic and health crises and the and climate crises and the crises of weapons of war and, and waste and poisons, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And we know, I think everybody knows, on the right and the left, we need a transformation of consciousness, even if they wouldn't use that kind of language. 
And that begins, it begins in a wildly personal way. I mean, like Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Undergo the kind of change you want to see in the world might be an even more nuanced way of putting it. Not that I can mess with the words of Gandhi, but you know what I'm saying. So um, I really hope you'll buy it. And um, I hope you'll tell people about it and pass it on. I hope it provokes a conversation. That's all I ever hope with Hints and Guesses, just to um, join the great conversation, to pull a chair up to the table of meaning that human beings have always wrestled with, with our myths and stories and legends and religions and, 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 and even science and technology and the great conversation around meaning. And, and it is just that. It's a conversation. So uh, I hope it provokes one, and I hope you talk about it. So I don't want to give away, you know, the entire book, <laughs> but um, I want to drop a few hints about what's in it. So today's podcast is A Grain of Wheat, an introduction to A Grain of Wheat. And maybe um, maybe I want to start off by saying a few personal things. So I, I've got two questions I want to try to, to deal with uh, today. It won't be a super long podcast, uh, or at least not as far as I know. The first question is, why talk about Jesus at all? I mean, Christianity seems to be causing a lot of harm in the world. And maybe we could even say religion itself is causing a lot of harm in the world. Why would you want to continue to talk about Jesus? Can't we just grow up and out of this? And my answer to that is, first of all, personal. No, it's like the Christ symbol won't leave me alone. That's one reason why I'm, I continue to find myself hovering around, like, like orbiting the sun, so to speak. And it won't leave me alone. It keeps popping up. In fact, it's almost as if the moment I, I announced I was not a believer in sort of mainstream, uh, you know, the list of things you're supposed to believe if you're a Christian, the moment I, I, I made such an announcement, that's the moment that the symbol really um, came home to roost. And it was like, okay, now we're talking. Almost as if the Christ symbol was saying something like, I'm not looking for believers in ideas. I'm looking uh, for people wildly vulnerable enough to undergo the, the meddling of mystery itself. As if mystery wants to mess with who you think you are, which I think mystery does. So it won't leave me alone. So that's the... that's. Why, why talk about Jesus? Because it won't leave me alone. And, and also, I think um, that the symbol still has power. That's my, that's my guess. You know, Carl Jung says something like, it's only possible to live the fullest life when we are in harmony with the great symbols. And I, I'm, I would argue that the Christ symbol, the grain of wheat, is one of the great symbols. It's not the only one, but it's one of the great ones. It points to something profoundly true. That's true. It's true in a way that transcends religions and being non-religious. It even transcends that. So I think the symbol still has power. And, um, and, I, and I, that's, that's one reason why I, I think 
it's worth wrestling with. I think another reason why I talk about Jesus now is that I think Jesus is in the collective unconscious, particularly of the Western world, but now we can uh, say in the East and the West. Uh, Christianity has spread around the world, and the, the symbol and image of Jesus has spread around the world, so it rests in the unconscious somewhere. Um, just as there are crosses on the side of the road to tell us that um, there was a terrible accident here and someone died. Um, I mean, we see it as we're driving down the highway, you know? It's like it's per- it permeates our culture in some way. And you can say, hey, you know, let's just get over that, but I don't think it's that easy because it's part of Western consciousness. In fact, you can't even understand, really, the development of Western consciousness, the development of the Western world without a conversation around um, the development of Christianity and thus behind that, the Christ symbol. So I think we ought to deal with things that are in the collective field. That's my argument. We ought to deal with things that are in the collective field. We ought not to ignore them. And um, and here's another reason why I think we ought to be talking about Jesus right now is because Christianity is displaying a lot of sickness, we could say. It's, um, it's, it's, it has, in its worst moments, it has kind of a festering wounds and a kind of chronic illness. And I think maybe the arrogance of, of the modern world and maybe the post-Christian modern world has something has said something like, we see the illness of Christianity and the cure for it is all things secular. That we need to put away childish things like superstitions and religious beliefs and doctrines. We'll put all those away and we'll stick to the facts. We'll stick to science. And in my move, it's a bit, of a, na- it's, it's a bit naive because um, you have the conscious mind, the rational mind, uh, the calculative mind, and you have the deep wells of the unconscious. And so it doesn't go away quite that easily. <laughs> and, and I think the cure is not more of, quote, the secular world, but the sacred. What Christianity needs is the, the sacred wells that gave it, it its birth. The thing that can challenge the illness of Christianity is the symbol at the heart of Christianity. And, I mean, let's just take one tiny example. Love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) In a world gone mad for divisions, love your neighbor as yourself is one of the most radical things you can even contemplate right now. So, like I said, uh, the cure is to go deeper when it comes to the illness that is uh, Christianity, in my view. The other reason why I think we ought to talk, be talking about Jesus right now is that um, Jesus is still a symbol, like I said before, for the radical death and resurrection of the ego. I mean, many contemporary spiritual teachers are talking about the death of the ego when they're talking about spiritual transformation. And... Jesus was an, an early adopter, you could say, of not only this way of being in the world, but, um, but teaching others, inviting others into their own unraveling, their own death and resurrection process. Um, and, and maybe I can say something more about that. I think it's worth listening to what I call the ancient voices of wisdom the ancient ways, Jesus being one of them, 
one of the voices of wisdom that ought not to go away. I don't think it can go away, but it ought not to go away. Um, what has come before us? We're not born tabula rasa. We know that. We're not born a blank slate when it comes to DNA. We're not born a blank slate when it comes to the psyche. And we're not born a blank slate when it comes to the symbols of transformation. We have ancestors. And, and I would also say we need to include other ancestors. I'm not just saying Jesus, Jesus and only Jesus. But I'm saying um, we haven't really been listening. And what would it look like? to drop the arrogance of the modern and postmodern world and say, how do we get here? And what still resonates? And um, what, what hard-earned wisdom of the past ought to help us transition into the future? It's not the only solution, but help us transition, help us grow up enough to face the complexities that is the modern era that we find ourselves in. In other words, I'm saying, if I can say it directly, we must not cut ourselves off from the wisdom traditions. And I just happen to be interested in the Christ symbol because that's what I was raised in. And even my own kind of departure from evangelical Christianity was in part in pursuing this Jesus. One of the things I talk about in, in, in the audiobook is are the changing faces of Jesus, the many Jesuses that, that are out there. So... Um, in, in kind of pursuit of that, interestingly enough, I just think it's funny. I'm, I'm le- I, I was leaving a certain version of Christianity, but pursuing, in a way, uh, the Christ symbol, maybe, maybe even accidentally, without, without even knowing it. Um, and maybe one other point, why Jesus now? I'd like, I'd like to make an announcement that would that I think is true, but we haven't realized it's true yet. The war of literalism is over. So what happened to books like the Bible and to historical figures like Jesus is they got put through the ringer of contemporary science and history, uh, historical critical scholarship, to be technical about it, which I loved. I was a part of, so I went to graduate school. And... You know, it's almost like the image of Thomas Jefferson cutting out everything in the Bible that, that he thought was superstitious. You know, just get, it, get rid of all that. And we're just going to go for literalism, as if literalism is the only way of talking about truth. What I'm saying is we're, we're at the end of that. It's over. And literalism has created um, believers that are trapped in a tiny corner of their own making, and it's created unnecessary atheists if that's even what they are, but it's like an unnecessary atheist. It's saying, uh, because I, this didn't literally happen, out goes the whole thing. And I say, that's done. That war's done. It needed to be fought. The Bible needed to be put through the ringer of contemporary scholarship. But it, what emerges in its wake is what was there all along, which is the symbolic core of the text itself. The symbolic core of the Christ symbol, which transcends history and um, data and things like that. So I'm saying something like both hands, but I'm saying the war's over. So maybe now it's time to turn our attention to the symbolic, which was the mysterious underground river there all along. And um, here's my second question. So my first question was something like, why talk about Jesus? Here's my second question. 
why I talk about transformation as process. Because that's what I'm doing in the, in the audiobook. I'm talking about these seven stages. And I'm not exactly saying they're linear, but sometimes they feel that way. But it's a simple way of saying, well, why talk about transformation as a process? Because it's a process. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> because it is. It's, it, see, we live in a pill-popping culture. Even the, the, the various pills offered by our spiritual gurus. Take this pill. Take this, take this um, swallow this pill, and you'll be transformed. Uh, take this retreat, read this one book, undergo this one kind of experience, and you'll experience transformation. And, um, and we know that doesn't work. We, we, we must now enter in the 21st century an integral approach to life, an integral approach to, approach to life, which is something like, to quote Ken Wilber, all quadrants, all levels. Science, technology, worldview, psychology, health, well-being, body, you know, everything, everything, everything has, is shot through with spiritual pop possibilities, we could say. And when it comes to transformation, it is just a process. And how do we know that? Just look at the natural world. Every single thing in the natural world is communicating, mirroring back to us, things take time. Change takes time. Change happens. Change happens whether, whether we participate in it or not. But I think the, the possibility of being a conscious human being is to cooperate, to, to say yes, to become a willing participant in, one's, in the mysterious process of transformation. So we ought to be talking about it as a process instead of as a one-time fix as, uh, in a, in a pill-popping culture. Um, and, and maybe it's also worth saying why well, talk about transformation as a process because we're having a hard time growing up. You know, did you know that adolescence is a, is a modern term? Really, in the ancient world, you just had the transition from childhood to adult, adulthood, and they had these radical rites of passage to help, to help make that happen. And in some respects, I'd say the, the evolution of adolescence is, well, it just is what it is. It, I don't. I try not to say that phrase. It is what it is, um, but I just said it. It it's a phenomenon of modern life, and so maybe it's not good or bad necessarily, but it's relatively new. And what seems to be happening, to quote uh, Bill Plotkin, one of my teachers. What seems to be happening is that right now we live in a pathologically adolescent culture, where not only adolescence is a real thing, where you're not an, you're not a child and you're not an adult, that um, is getting extended further and further and further out in time, and it's possible now to remain a perpetual adolescent until the day you die. That's how hard it is to grow up right now, and really many of the concerns of of modern life, the thing that makes our economy a go-round, our adolescent concerns. Identity, name, material position, uh, possessions, um, you know, who am I as it relates to a social group, needing that ideological identification. Like when I was in high school, I was in the, 
you know, the grunge scene. I'm so unique. I'm in the grunge scene. I'm so unique. I'm wearing Doc Martens like everybody else in the grunge scene. I'm so unique. That kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. It's part of adolescence. It's part of putting on the putting on various cultural masks to find out a little like who am I? How do I fit into this world? Beautiful, awesome. Now it's just getting extended all the way out till death. <laughs> till death do us part with our adolescent egos. And so I'm saying we're having a hard time growing up. So it's really important to talk about models and maps of transformation that that are continuing to present themselves to us. And do we need people to grow up? We absolutely absolutely do. We need adults in the world and we need elders. God, we need elders. And you and I can begin our own process of transforming into functioning adults, much less the gifted elder. Um, offering himself or herself to the world, to the community, to nature, to the largest vision you can have for life. And that is a process and it takes time. So it's, it's, it's very cool and interesting to look at the life of Jesus like that and say, ah, he too was being transformed. And, what w- and these patterns reveal something to me about the path itself. And what does that look like? And how might I find ways to say yes to it? And, um, and maybe each stage offering uh, gifts and challenges. So just talking about stages isn't the same as going through them, but it's still important. Because we know a little bit of the terrain, the gifts and challenges of the terrain itself. It's like getting a map, you know? I just all of a sudden popped into my head. I, 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 uh, my wife and I visited Rome couple years ago we went we went twice we have friends that live in Italy and um, and my friend's an art teacher and runs a an overseas art program in Orvieto and so we had the great privilege of going around Italy and, and Rome with an art teacher <laughs> so that's like the, the best of the best but I remember him sort of sending us off um, out into the city because we didn't spend all all of the time uh, with him with a map and just with some highlighters you know go here go here take this uh, go down this road take the train here this this kind of thing and and just having that it was like okay in a in a place that is absolutely overwhelming that's what Rome is it's totally overwhelming it's even more overwhelming than Jerusalem which I've spent way more time in obviously and it, and it's definitely overwhelming to the first time visitor, but it's not as big. <laughs> and uh, Rome is absolutely massive. And having a map is like, okay, I have a, some sense of the terrain. So it's important, I think, to talk about transformation as a process just to get a lay of the land, a bit of the, what the terrain is like. And maybe one other thing why I think it's important to be talking about transformation now as process is that we must commit to our own personal transformation as much as possible. Like what's the meaning of life? To submit, to undergo, and to commit to your ongoing transformation, to living the fullest, most meaningful life that you can possibly live. And that is a radical commitment that is that is not welcome right now in, in many circles and in religious circles, ironically. It's like, you know, you can be a Christian and part of being a Christian is to rest assured you don't have to change. You know, um, so what I'm saying is 
is we ought to be talking about it because we need a kind of radical commitment. Radical comes from the word root, by the way. We need a rooted commitment to our ongoing uh, process of transformation, and that's the way the world changes, like I said before. That is the way the collective consciousness, transformation of consciousness that the world really needs right now, right now, the survival of the human race and the plants and animals depend upon this shift in consciousness. The only thing that we can take responsibility for is our own. And we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our children. We owe it to our grandchildren, whether you have kids or not, the, the next generation. We owe it to them to be committed. And, and you already are. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already committed or partially committed. Because who would want to listen to sometimes more than an hour of spiritual-ish stuff unless uh, their own soul was saying, uh, you too can live the largest vision you're capable of living. You too can submit to the mysterious process of transformation that the world actually needs right now. And... And how amazing that we can be having this conversation together, which is exactly how I imagine um, my podcast working in the world. And so I want to encourage you, buy the audiobook, see what you think of it, um, say yes to the questions. Every single stage or chapter in there, I end with a series of questions, and you'll get the most of it if you, if you wrestle with them. You know, if you speak your answers out loud to yourself or to someone else or to the forest, to really wrestle with the questions, uh, to wrestle with the, how the, the symbolic images shine light in on, on who we think we are and reveal to us some of our own unfinished business, perhaps at times and give us little glimpses of our own inner threads of gold at other times. So that's my hope, that's my aim. Uh, I, I wanna end by just again thanking my Patreon supporters. Uh, I, this would not, the audiobook would not be a thing if it was not for you, so thank you, and neither would the podcast. If you wanna become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Kent Dobson, you can find me there. The link is probably is also on my website for sure. Um, and if you want to buy a grain of wheat, the Christ symbol, kentdobson.com, right on the homepage, first button you come to will take you to the link to buy it for 10 bucks. Download it. Uh, tell your friends about it. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell your friends about this. If you find something in, in this work helpful, and in the podcast, helpful. Tell, pe tell people about it. Write a review on iTunes. Share it. All that stuff makes a huge, huge difference. And um, maybe, maybe I ought to end with. Maybe, maybe I'll end just with the line that inspired the this book. Unless a grain of wheat dies, unless a grain of wheat dies, it remains but a single seed. Unless a grain of, grain of wheat dies, it remains but a single seed. But if it dies and goes into the ground, it reaps a mighty harvest.
peace, grace, love, transformation, mystery. I wish all these things upon you. Be well, stay safe.